Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast. Today, we are recapping season one of Peacemaker in full spoiler details. So if you haven't seen that in its entirety, I would get out of here right now. A um, couple things I want to say up top. First and foremost, I, I want to thank uh, the Stark Warriors out there. We've released merch last week, and you guys came in full force and, and got some really cool shirts. So um, I, I really do appreciate that. It means a lot. And uh, I, we mentioned it before. Like, It's not even like... We get very little profit on these things. It's not even like it's not like I'm not thanking you for giving me money. Really, you gave the site money um, more so than anything. But I, I just in general, I just like the fact that people want to like rep Stark Wars means a lot to me. So I want to thank the audience for that up front. Um, and also, I, I want to also just talk about um, like on a more serious note here. Um, it has been a it's probably been like the craziest week. Um, in terms of what is going on in our world that we've had. I mean, it's been a crazy past few years, I guess. Um, but this feels like, it, it feels like the things that um, my grandfather described to me and the things that he went through when he was my age and like the fears that he had. But I, I did just, I wanted to touch on what is going on over in Ukraine and uh, the invasion of Russia. And I, I don't know if we have any listeners from the Ukraine. I do have a, I have a friend, a comic book uh, artist that I work with that I like, uh, I, I was talking to them. We were going to work on something and like, I haven't heard from them in a couple of days. And that's the kind of thing that scares the crap out of me. Um, but I just, I wanted to put it out there that our hearts are with you. Um, and uh, I also wanted to just say that um, uh, I, I, I haven't introduced you yet, Kyle, but um, we'll get to that in a second. You mentioned yeah. the Red Cross. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So to echo Michael's sentiment, I also know people who, in the Ukraine. Um, the editor-in-chief for the website I write for is actually in the Ukraine, and it's been a couple of days since we've really heard anything. So it, it is definitely worrying. And, you know, I do know that we can help out a little bit. It's not much, but there, it, the Red Cross is raising money to help people in the Ukraine, and if you're sitting at home feeling maybe useless or helpless and don't know what to do, I think any donation that you can make makes a huge difference. It's, it's tragic what's happening over there and your dollar, your $5, your whatever, it's going to go a long way, guaranteed. Yeah, no, I thank you for sharing that, Kyle. Um, and and uh, it feels like a weird transition to go directly into this wacky show. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's TV shows like this that help me get through the hard times that we're currently in. So I hope that it can bring some comfort to anybody who is stressed about it or going through it directly. Um, with that being said, uh, I'll get I'll give a proper introduction to my good buddy here. This is a guy uh, unlike him, unlike uh, unlike me. This man has probably never dyed his beard. It's Kyle Schmillard. How are you, Kyle? You know what? There's one time I got real freaky and did a green and red. But besides that, um, Michael, thank you so much for having me back on the Star Wars podcast. I love this show. I love hearing you and Tommy banter about everything Star Wars and Marvel. The only question I have for you before we start is. yes all right that's all i yes. had set up that's my, that my only bit <laughs> um kyle uh it's been a minute since you've been with us I'm, I'm very happy to have you back and what a great show to talk about uh here today so um first and foremost i want to give uh, like i want to give you the chance to kind of like talk about what you thought about the season as a whole um i know you were very passionate about coming on here about for this one so uh i'm excited to hear like your overall take and actually if you want um uh, this is dangerous. I know it's like a hot topic to do something like this, but uh, mm -hmm. maybe even compare it to what you thought about some of the Marvel shows, because I'm going to get into that. I didn't even think about how it compares like the DC show versus Marvel. That's a whole like egg I haven't cracked yet. But my history before the show started was that Suicide Squad, the movie last year, blew me away. It was surprisingly my movie of the year. And that's over films like Minari, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, like some pretty artsy indie films but despite all of that the suicide squad was number one so when i found out they were doing a peacemaker tv show with john cena i was so excited and i had no idea what they're going to do the only thing i knew was that james gunn was involved with the tv show i think there's a world where he is not involved and we get a very different product but we live in a world where i think he wrote and directed more than half the episodes which is fantastic um it's really hard to kind of compare to the MCU because there isn't a lot, minus the butterflies, incredibly supernatural. 
about Peacemaker as a show, right? It's overall fairly grounded, minus the invasive butterflies and the cameos in the last episode, for example. So if I were to compare it to something like maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier, Peacemaker blows it out of the water because it actually had a plot that it knew it knew what story it was telling and it told that story. So the other ones, it's hard because it's hard to compare to WandaVision or Loki because there's so much magic and mysticism in that those series. So I feel like Falcon Winter Soldier is probably the easiest one and it's a landslide victory for Peacemaker. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Um, and, and it feels, uh, it, I, I, like, I get what you're saying. Like, it's weird to call this grounded. But truly, mm. when you, like, look at uh, James Gunn's repertoire, like, this truly is kind of a step back uh, <laughs> in a way, which I, I really did appreciate. And here's my thing. Like, I loved The Suicide Squad as well. Mm. Or, yeah, The Su- Suicide Squad. I, I thought it was so much fun. Um, but I think I came in a little bit more skeptical, like, uh, I don't know that Peacemaker was in my top five of the favorite characters in that. I guess I guess I did kind of like his turn and like I feel like that was probably a bigger part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't I, I, like he was not somebody I wanted more of necessarily. Um, but with that being said, boy, was I proven wrong. <laughs> and I, I think that goes to show like James Gunn talent, like mm-hmm. um, even like a minute character or again, not calling him minute in the Suicide Squad, but um he he can flesh out these characters so well and he knows how to build characters and i feel like he did it was a master class in what he did with peacemaker so yeah i think there's two variables that really go into kind of my love and fascination of suicide squad and peacemaker specifically i'm fairly confident that the suicide squad was my first time seeing john cena as an actor i don't think i'd seen any of his other films until that i maybe had seen him in daddy's home too as like a small role, but I haven't seen Fast 9. I haven't seen The Marine. Like, I haven't seen these movies. So to have the biggest, bulkiest wrestler dude, like, walking around in his tidy whiteies for half the movie, like, it made him so so vulnerable and so likable so quickly. Um, and the second variable with Peacemaker is that if you look back at James Gunn's work, there are certain things that he's known for. Let's include a talking animal. Let's include a ragtag group of misfits that come together to fight off evil. Let's talk about dope-ass soundtracks. I think Peacemaker is the culmination of everything James Gunn has worked towards from Slither till now. Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, uh and now I, I just pulled up his IMDb because I was curious. I was like, what have I seen him in? Uh, and I don't, I don't think I watched, uh, I watched uh, Blockers, uh, but I only oh. watched. I didn't love that movie. I stopped yeah. like maybe 25 minutes in. Um, but like, it's always, it's for me, it's always been like, I'm, I've been aware that John Cena can act mm-hmm. like, I, like I, I, like I wasn't of the mind that like he, uh, I don't know, like this is just like his, the next thing that he's doing, you know, I, I, I knew that he could do it, um, but maybe not to the level that he actually did. Uh, so, and it's really cool how uh, James Gunn specifically seems to grab these wrestlers like Batista and Cena and just give them the most like adorable, like funny human roles where like when they're in the ring they are these like superhuman uh mega monsters right where if you have a just even a sense of commonality with any of these characters they just become so much easier to watch and laugh with yeah yeah so um well to the audience um kyle and i've talked about that this is gonna be a messy one okay we're gonna be jumping around <laughs> all over the place um but uh i think uh i don't think james gunn would have it any other way i think we all like a little bit of mess so um i have like some topics to bring up front that i just want to get your opinions on yeah. but then after that i think we're gonna like kind of deep dive into like each of the main characters kind of in order of who i personally felt was the most important we're talking um, the uh the 11th street kids yeah yes yeah. uh yeah exactly uh but uh for, well first and foremost uh i wanted to well can we talk about this intro? I mean, this is like, um, I like, I mean, we're beating a drum at this point. Um, like, I think everyone on the internet is in love with this, but um, it, like, I watched it in full every single time, and I, I've yeah. never done that with any show. Like, even before uh, the skip intro was a thing, like, I like, I would like turn away or do something else or look at my phone, but uh, I watched it through and through every single time. Yeah, I didn't, I never cared what the cold opening was. I just knew it was going, about five minutes into the episode, I was going to hear Wigwam's Do You Want to Taste It? And I was going to have a hell of a time. Except for, I think it was episode six that has the really somber opening where you see Chris kill his brother. And then it, it somehow transitions from that into the glam rock intro. But 
when I'm thinking of like best TV show intros of all time, I think Peacemaker has already cemented like top 20. I, I, I might even say top 10. I mean, it's, yeah, just, totally. it's just, it's so fun. It's so fun. So I don't want to be um, like too hyperbolic already, but like it's, it's up there. Yes. Yes. So, um, well, we won't, we won't touch on that too much, but uh, Kyle, I want to ask you about this. Like the, uh, the big, the big bad, I guess, in this series are, is, are these butterflies. We, we mm-hmm. get, we're introduced to project butterfly. Um, I want to get like, what, what did you think of this, uh, as a, as a concept? So I think it's hilarious in the first episode when it's like they're codenamed butterflies. Like, we don't know what they are. There's codenamed butterflies. And Peacemaker has a line like, is it going to be an actual butterfly? Like, am I, am I going to fight Mothra at the end of this thing? Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't Mothra. It was uh, a moth in a person's body. But I thought the butterflies were cool. I love how in this DC universe, there's killer starfish. There's killer butterflies. What's next? Killer cats? I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of what fierce animal they're going to have next in a DC project. Yeah, and listen, I anybody who knows me knows that I am not familiar with the comics at all. I, don't, I have no idea if this was a thing in DC Comics, um, but I will. If I assume it was, I know I know Starfish was. So mm. um, I, I guess this had to be. And here's the thing that I really appreciate about what James Gunn is doing, um, especially uh, again comparing to Marvel. Like I feel like Jamestown has no fear in like completely a- a- adapting a comic book, and we'll get to Eagly eventually. But Ugh. like for example, um, Marvel was too afraid to give Falcon an actual Falcon a- as a partner, and mm-hmm. we get Eagly here, and like that's just and like that's like one of the smaller choices, right? And yeah. we've already talked about like there's like uh, butterflies and like this <laughs> giant cow at the end. Like he will do anything, and I that, I love it so much. Well, I was even reading an interview with him, I think yesterday, uh, specifically about the cameo in the finale, which I don't know if we're going full in, if I should say it, but with that cameo, he wrote it in the script, being like, okay, I'm going to hand in the script. Directors are going to be like, no, you can't do this. Nobody told him no. He just handed in, hey, these two guys are going to show up, and they said, whatever. <laughs> You're James Gunn. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and yeah, well, I mean, we'll, uh, get, yeah. we'll spoil anything at any point. Um, all good. Okay. Um, what I did find, uh, I wanted to talk about um, up front, because this is an actual character, but it was one of my favorite moments uh, in the series. Um, we get the butterflies, uh, or one of them has infected a gorilla, um, <laughs> which is just, again, just like completely outlandish. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get uh, more animals. Like, I felt like that was like, like uh, i don't know like your resident evil moment like uh oh it's not just zombies it's like a giant monster now and <laughs> yeah. then they just keep getting bigger um i was i was hoping we get a little bit more animals but what do you think about the gorilla well the gorilla was awesome um i love the gorilla i love how that ends with economos and everything i think i was happy with the quota of animals that we got if you look at eagly if you look at the raccoon that cuts across like peacemaker's face like there's a lot of animal humor in here which is very james gunn but I think it was spaced out enough where it wasn't like noticeable or like a trope almost. I think that too much of the gorilla could have been too much gorilla. That's fair. That is completely fair. Um, Real quick, do you yes. remember in the Suicide Squad? Because in this TV show, if you get infected by a butterfly, you are dead. There is no coming back from it. Do you remember if the people infected with Starro after the starfish came off and they just like got up and brushed the dust off? Um... I, I, a short answer, I don't remember, okay. but I feel like I would remember if it killed them, I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't I think, think it, it was, uh, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. think that it did. Okay. I think it's interesting because I recently re- uh, watched uh, Slither, one of James Gunn's like original films before he just went on to do Guardians. And the whole premise of that movie is the same as the butterflies. If you get infected by one of the slugs, you are dead. There's no coming back. So there's even elements of like previous James Gunn movies plot wise that make their way into Peacemaker, which I find very interesting. That's fascinating. I, I, uh, I have embarrassingly never seen Slither, but um, that's interesting that, he, that it's basically the same concept. So I saw it for the first time three months ago, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get I'll definitely get on it. Um, another one of my favorite things that was kind of reoccurring in this series was um, and I don't recall this being a thing at all in the Suicide Squad, but John Cena's helmets like. Uh, he's got multiple helmets and they have powers and all of them are awesome. So uh, did, did you have a favorite helmet? Let's start there. Well, what was the one that was like levitation or whatever? And then Abadayo said like, levi- like she accidentally said the magic words and it started floating up in the air. <laughs> yeah. um, there's that. And then the human torpedo one in that same episode where yeah. like uh, Abadayo is wearing it. And then she like Luigi from Smash Bros side bees. Like that's a very specific <laughs> reference, but 
that's what she does and it's amazing <laughs> yeah um no i loved it i think my favorite was probably um the sonic boom and that like that moment that we get at the end of episode one when he like completely destroys that butterfly like uh i think that like i was pretty sold on it and like obviously i was gonna watch this show mm-hmm. to the end no matter what but that moment i was like this is special like this yeah. show is very special like it was such a gory moment but i was like um that's what maybe that was truly when i was sold on john cena as like an actual hero mm-hmm. um i was like wow he's powerful he's cool the helmets mean something and i love it i think it was that moment too like at the end of the first episode that i was legit so shocked by how powerful the sonic boom was like it like tears her flesh off like it is not good it is like hostile three territory um but between like stuff like that and some of like the judo master stuff that was like how is this happening this is this is brutal this is intense and i don't remember if it's episode one or episode two that has economos uh hitting judo master in the back of the head with a freaking monkey wrench or a crowbar and he walks away from it yeah and he gets shot in the chest but he just wants spicy cheetos well, let's okay. Let's put let's stop down here because actually, right. <laughs> uh, as we go through our characters here, the first one I have on my list is Judo Master. Awesome. Um, so I'm curious. Like uh, you're right. Like that was. Uh, I guess my thing is, and I put him first here again, kind of like ranking them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the point of having this character in the show was really. Um, besides, like making me cringe at like hearing his skull almost bashed open. Oh my god. And, <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I don't know if I was completely sold on that character. Well, what do you think of Judo Master at all? I do think that he was probably one of the most, or if not the most flawed character, because I never really understood his motivation about why he was helping the butterflies. I feel like there may have been something like a one line in the finale that said it, but I totally missed it. So, I don't know, I guess he was trying to help humanity because the butterflies were like, we're going to save humanity by taking over you guys and showing you how it's done. So I guess maybe that, but Judo Master was good. He was just a really good punching bag. <laughs> Yeah. Like bullets, crowbar, uh, like I said, spicy Cheetos. This man can handle anything. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I was at, like, I, I'm very much related to the uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos. I'm yeah. A, I'm a big fan, so I was all on board for that. I was like, yes. And it bugged me so much because apparently he's hiding all throughout the opening credits, but I only see him jump through the trap door at the end. Apparently he's in like eight different frames or eight different shots in the opening credits. How embarrassing that like I've like bragged about how I've watched this at least eight times and uh, I only like like even because we don't meet him immediately. Um, mm. So like I, I just remember the character from the intro like from episode one and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Vigilante at first because I heard about Vigilante. I'm like, oh, that must be him on Peacemaker's yeah. shoulders. That would make yeah. sense. Right, right. Um, yeah, again, not too much for me to say on Judo Master here. Um, hopefully, if uh, in season two, he will get a second arc, mm-hmm. which, by the way, it is. it has been confirmed that there will be a season two. Very so, cool. Uh, love that. Love that. Excited for it. Um, also, actually, we'll just stop down here, too, because... Um, uh, again just jumping all over the place but um it seems like the like the big moment here at the end of the series is like peacemaker is finally kind of accepted as a hero like mm-hmm. uh like he's, he spent this entire time being like chased down by the law and his family and like uh kind of being invalidated and like working for the government against his will in some ways so um but by the end he becomes like an actual hero um so this does lead me to think like and maybe in like um I'm trying to think of a good comparison to other TV shows we've talked about, but maybe like, oh, the Mandalorian Mm. where like, okay, we finally met this character and now we can bring on characters that we already know. Um, Like my prediction for season two is like, he's going to pair up with a larger DC character. Could you see that being a possibility at all? A hundred percent. And I'll be honest. I went into the finale of the show expecting a big cameo because I know James Gunn likes to go big or go home. So I was like literally waiting for Batman to show up at the end of this thing we get close with Aquaman and Flash, but I was like waiting for, you know, a big DC cameo at the end of this thing. Um, in terms of season two, like there's so many cool, like, I don't know, Wonder Woman. Like, let's actually have uh, John Cena and Gal Gadot pair up for a bit and kick some butt. That'd be dope. Her using her lasso. He's using his like his uh, dove gun or whatever he whatever brand he has. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be cool. And also, I, I don't like there's been so much news coming. Like people have peacemaker and then all kinds of stuff has come out about it recently but james gunn has talked about working on many other series so um you know i I guess we are entering this uh much like we've had with disney plus and marvel uh i guess this is that same era for dc so 
Yeah, I know uh, James Gunn is a good thing with Warner Brothers. They're making a Wile E. Coyote versus Acme movie, which James Gunn is working on, and John Cena was just cast in it. So I saw that. So wild off the wall. but We have uh, good I'm things on the horizon. Yes. Um, okay, well, we can move on to our next character here. Um, and this is a character I, I love a lot. Um, Economist. We can talk about Economist a little bit more in depth here. Um, and this was like, um, he was very much... Uh, a comedic point in the series, but mm-hmm. he himself has a really good arc there at the end as well. So uh, I'm always all, all, I was all about him. Uh, what did yeah. you think of Economist? I'm, I'm totally biased. Cause I love Steve Aggie. Like I've been watching him do comedy. Like he's been a bit player in like Mr. Show and SNL. And like, he's just been a, a sketch comedian that I recognize. So seeing him in this was like, Oh my God, he has like room to shine. And I thought Economist was great. I, I have been, economist before i've been the guy that the group of people make fun of sometimes and it's not fun um but when he has that moment to shine in the finale when he is sent out and he has the bag he has to confront the actor from scary movie and the other cop um i thought he did excellent and then when he trips over that sign and like breaks his shin or whatever (laughs) i was like dude you tripped over your shoelaces and now you broke your leg (laughs) that's like such an economist thing though like uh... but he has the yeah. moment with him. He like he kills the gorilla. Like he does the he does the chainsaw through the chest. Like he has some great moments. It's just shitty that he has to go through. You know, Chris kind of picking on him as like a little brother type throughout yeah. most of the series. Yeah, and uh, speaking like uh, just further predictions, can we get like a like let this man be a, like a full on superhero? Like uh, he can do it. Uh, just yeah. put him in a suit. Give him his own suit in season two. I'll be happy. Is there okay? Wild prediction. It just came to me now we get to a point in the DCU where Amanda Waller is no longer uh, employed and we have Economos taking on the lead role of whatever Waller does. Oh yes. Yes, please. Yeah. He becomes Um, like the actual genuine good guy. Who's like looking out for his team. And yeah. So I've been, I've been typing, I've been doing a lot of like um, last minute IMDB searching while Mm. while I'm here. I'm going to have to look up because I was not familiar with uh, this actor or comedian uh, Mm. to this point. So I'm excited to see what else he's in. I was, I did like, I think I was like stalking or no, it was James Gunn on Instagram posted like a happy birthday post or something with him. And I was kind of mm. like flipping through and like seeing that like he, he's been in a lot of James Gunn movies and like ones that I've seen, I just, I've never recognized him. I mean, yeah, obviously he was, it looks very different in this, but. He was in Guardians 2, I think, as one of the uh, space crew that Groot has to steal the eyeball from the guy. I think, I think he's a part of that crew. Yeah. But yeah. I recognize him mostly from, I think he's in the Meow Meow Beans episode of Community. And he's also in the TV show Children's Hospital, I think. So Gotcha. Okay. So uh, there you have it. Uh, anything else on <laughs> Economist here? Not really. Like, unfortunately, he does have his moments, but I don't think he has, like, the strongest arc in the show. But I loved his presence. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to another character that I really like it is Harcourt. Um, and this is this is a fun one. Um, it's like, uh, again, I, I think it's been a topic of discussion amongst the Marvel shows we've watched, but like the way that they don't necessarily lean on, like, um, obviously the character John Cena, like uh, some of the first interactions we've seen between the two is him flirting with Harcourt, um, yeah. but it doesn't actually go in that direction, which I appreciate. And uh, I, I did. I thought Harcourt was a lot of fun here. And um, since you've been bright, you've been bringing all the knowledge. I'm sure you know this, but um uh, I I, did, I found this out. I didn't realize that she's married to James Gunn. Yeah, I That's found wild. that out like last week, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was that was wild. What do you think of Harcourt? I she's awesome. And whenever I hear her name Hardcore, I have to think it's like a play on hardcore. Like it has to be right. Well, and this is all of the names are a little weird to me. Um, and like I, I meant to look that up as well, but I did mm-hmm. not. I've I've completely half-assed this podcast apparently, but it, it it almost seems like like if I had to guess, like these are like Shakespeare names because they're oh. weird. You get Abadio, Economos, Harcourt, uh, Mer. Like these are names I've never heard before, and like that's kind of why I get a Shakespeare. They almost seem like they have like a mythology behind them, like a Greek or something like that. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah, um, so. But- Hardcore was awesome. Like, uh, I think her name is Jen. In- Jen Inaldo is the actress name, and she is hardcore. She kicks ass. She doesn't take shit from anyone. And I just really liked having a strong female presence on this show consistently. Like, she didn't really waver at any point. She was consistent. She was funny, strong. Yeah, you can't really ask ask for more than a character from this. Yeah. See, and here I go again. Like, I haven't like all these all these characters are new to me. Have you seen her in anything else? 
No, I, I don't think I've seen her in anything else specifically. Okay. And also, right. when it comes to their names, like, these are characters from a comic book. Like, they probably just, like, named them Economos in 1967 or <laughs> 1972, and you were like, yeah, no, that, that sounds badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's completely fair. Uh, probably reading into it too much. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have too much to say on Hardcore. Again, um, I, I think that um, there's a lot of fodder there for season two mm. and exploring that character a little bit more. I, I feel like, uh, especially compared to some of the others, uh, not as fleshed out but a welcome present nonetheless um do you mind if i uh rewind back to uh, you're gonna be so mad at me do you mind if i rewind back to economos for a second for, no like, go ahead that's fine i it's more of a peacemaker scene but like when peacemaker confronts him about why did you frame my dad for uh the crime that we did and then john Cena's is like you could have you could have pinned it on mickey mouse you could have pinned it on mario luigi elon musk uh, Bill Cosby just got is in jail. Like that scene where like John Cena is listing off fifty celebrities back to back to back to back, <laughs> and I think the post credit scene of that episode is even more of him yep, doing that. Yep, I was gonna mention that. Love uh, that scene. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh the post credit. Like in general, I really liked the, the way they did the post credits and like yep. kind of like extended scenes. So, um, yeah, no, like like I thought that moment was very funny, and I like relaughed again when they showed at the end. So, um, I'm like, how much of this is ad libbing, and how much of this is scripted? Like, is it just son- John Cena? Can you just like say every celebrity you know real quick? <laughs> um, I feel like I actually did read somewhere that that was completely uh improvised. So, oh my god, um, what yeah. a man! And also, he plays the piano. Like, he actually played the piano in that one scene. Like. What a talent. I, I, I wasn't aware, like, which, uh, I mean, look, uh, just uh, an absolute staple of a human. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we love him. So yep. uh, I didn't even realize how much I loved him. But I haven't seen enough of him. Yeah. So I want to move on. This is going to be a weird one. I've, like, combined three characters here um, to talk about okay. uh, all in one because it is Mern, Detective Song, and Goff. Uh, so like right. kind of because it is uh, we get a little bit of detective song, but for the most part, uh, that character is golf. So, um, yeah, I did. I did like uh, I really liked a lot of this. Um, did you see was there an editing point? Because this is very much like a Marvel thing and that like. Um, um, oh God, I've forgotten the names of the, the alien species that like uh, uh, they can shape shift. But anyway, regardless, uh, there's always theories that like that like people are oh. secret aliens in Marvel now. Um, so I, I, scrolls? I scrolls. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle, Kyle has completely picked up the slack here today. Um, <laughs> with that being said, like there's a lot of theories in Marvel's like this person's a scroll. Like I don't know why I never thought, oh, this person's a butterfly. Um, did you see this coming at all with Mern? There is that line he has in episode two or three where he's like, I don't feel anything. He's like, I watched 13 going on 30 last night. I didn't even cry. It's like, who is this man? I think it's like episode three that you see him with his butterfly tongue drinking the the sap or whatever. Mern, we didn't see enough of him for me to be fully surprised by the reveal. It was definitely shocking. I didn't think that anybody in the core team would be a butterfly. But yeah, it, it was an okay twist. Maybe not my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I like again. I was kind of like, I, I feel like I should have seen this coming. I think the problem was like we never got to, like we never saw a change in Mern. Mm-hmm. Like it would be one thing if he, I guess, I guess he wouldn't be involved if he wasn't a butterfly. But yeah. um, it would be maybe some like I don't like for me. It's like the the sixth sense thing. Like it's it's the twist that you should have guessed all along. Um, and I, I feel like we could have had that element here in some way, and we did not, which made it fall a little bit flat. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a cool turn. Yeah. I'm wondering as well, like when that happened, I feel like the show was really good at teaching us a little bit at a time for the butterflies. They never really overwhelmed us with information. They're like episode one, you find out what they are. Episode two, you find out they go inside humans, yada, yada, yada. So by the time the reveal happened, I feel like I still didn't really know how the butterflies worked, if he was still conscious in the body and it was just taking over physical actions. So it was kind of just like a subdued reaction from me. I think just kind of trying to put the pieces together completely fair um but uh yeah so it, it is interesting that we did have like i guess golf in general is like um like they're not they're not they're not all just like one massive insect that like has one o- overarching goal like mm-hmm. uh it's interesting that they could possibly have their own opinions and like this butterfly kind of goes rogue and uh yeah so i, I loved all that I mean, like, and like I was saying at the beginning of the show, like, if I walk into a room and the scene was playing where it's John Cena getting high with a eagle and a butterfly, I would tell you, is this a James Gunn pro- property? 
Like no one else would do this. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Yeah, it's interesting. We do get like uh, I don't know why um, Peacemaker decides to keep uh, the Goth as a pet there for a little yeah. bit. It's kind of a weird choice. Um, I guess I like he likes animals. Uh, I guess that's what I can come up with. Like he like he likes eagerly, therefore he might like a butterfly. I don't know. But is there like a zero percent chance that Goth is going to try and do her plan again? Like, is there like? I guess there's no more butterflies. Is she the last butterfly at the end of the series? I don't remember how that goes. Um, it seems like, well, with the cow dead, they can't. So mm. if they didn't die, they will die, which was yeah. kind of like, even uh, at the end there, he he gives him like the last bit of the nectar, which I was kind of like, that's kind of, this is kind of ominous because mm-hmm. uh, that that's, they're going to die soon, probably. Yeah, it's kind of like Jurassic Park, where, like, we have a bunch of velociraptors. Oh, no, this is bad. And then you keep one for yourself. It's like, <laughs> I don't think you should do that. Yeah, yeah. That's so, how Lost World happens. Exactly. And it's almost <laughs> like, um, the the weirder part, though, is, like, Peacemaker is completely unaware of the what the butterfly is until he sees it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees it coming out of a person's skull. Therefore, I don't know that your first inclination is be like, I will keep you now. Like, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know if it totally, I, I don't know if I totally buy it, but I think it is like an interesting relationship they built throughout the series, especially we get more, uh, I guess, going back into or into uh, Detective Song here a little bit. But um, yeah, we, we kind of see it fleshed out a little bit more in their conversations towards the end. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I appreciate the arc. I like that they gave like they humanized this butterfly. Yeah, and what I really really like to see is the scene where John Cena is chasing it with a butterfly net for like three minutes in that little like dungeon cave. Like that would have been fantastic. Like get over here. It's like Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got um, goth. Yeah, yeah. So that that's good. Do you have anything else to say on goth or song or Mern? Well, when it comes to song, like holy crap, her interactions with uh with Augie were so funny. She turned racism back on him so well. I forget what her line was about the haircut, like something about like, you know, you're a white guy with hair. Does that make yeah. you Tim Blake Nelson? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I thought she was a, a strong character and she did not. Once again, same with hardcore. She didn't take crap from anyone. And that's awesome. I was a little sad when she died, though. Like yeah. when when you see the butterfly go in her, you're like, oh, no, like we know she's dead now. So yeah. Yeah. that was unfortunate. Yep, so that that was bad. But you mentioned um, the White Dragon, so that is yeah. my next character on the board here. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, like, I appreciate, like, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I was even picking up on it in episode one, like, the way the Peacemaker is, and, like, when he when he's finally out of the hospital, he goes directly home to get Eagly and to mm-hmm. talk to his dad. And, like, th- the vibes are immediately weird, right? And it's like, you're already picking up on okay, maybe I get why this man is like this. If I was raised by this asshole, I would probably be very similar. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of like Augie altogether here? Well, Augie is a character I find exhausting. Maybe it's just because of the climate of the world today. I just think white supremacist characters are just like not something that I love seeing. I don't love seeing like hatred like that skewed on TV, but it makes so, like you were saying, it makes so much sense for Peacemaker's backstory for him to come from this household like in the first episode when he shows up to get eagerly all he's everything he's telling augie is to impress him to make him laugh he's telling his dad about the the guy he knew who was afraid of rats because his mom tortured him in a box for five years and they're laughing and laughing and he that, i don't know it's the bad side of peacemaker augie brings out the worst side of chris and i i I just uh, am happy. I love T2. Listen, that actor is fantastic. I just did not really love the character Augie, which I don't think anybody loved him. Nobody's like, Augie, Augie. Yeah, right. But but it was just kind of awful to watch sometimes. And just seeing like him do his thing uh, and just be awful to people, is it's hard to watch sometimes. And it also, it kind of puts a stain on Peacemaker in my mind a little bit. And that like Peacemaker is like this overly patriotic, like too much, like obsessively mm-hmm. patriotic in the ways that um, a a man like Augie would be, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, I don't I like, I kind of want him to like change the outfit now. Like I, re- again, like it mm. makes a lot of sense seeing where Peacemaker had come from, but it's like, um, I don't know. I feel like he's better than what he presents at this point. 
Yeah, and I guess another thing I was confused with Augie is that I know, like, he kind of came across as, like, this whatever dumb hick, maybe, character, but, like, he had a magical closet full of helmets and gear. Like, was he a super genius that I, that wasn't showing through his dialogue? I was a little confused by, is there a third person making these helmets? Is he actually a super smart Nazi genius? I don't know. But that was confusing. Yeah, it's very, uh, like, <laughs> I think they mentioned it's like a interdimensional closet or something it's like how did you like what is this uh it's very like matrix it's like very weird and also i'm surprised that chris has never like learned how to make the helmets like he says now that we killed my dad these are the last of the helmets like we can't make any more of these i'm like not once did you watch him make one of these helmets and like he didn't leave like the cookbook in the interdimensional closet somewhere (laughs) yeah or like the yeah like the mold for like a helmet and like where (laughs) you put the guy like i don't know you can figure it out it's like the it's like the pottery thing that he uses to make it (laughs) yeah exactly um but yeah and here's the kind of the same as judo master um like i get again like like i feel like peacemaker has to have a tragic backstory um Mm. But, like, did we need to, like, have, make this man a super villain? Like, um, it, it feels a little tacked on, especially, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, when he finally gets out of prison and he's, like, chasing down Peacemaker. And, like, they, he's kind of quickly dispatched of. And it's like, okay, well, then what was the point? Like, this isn't, like, yeah. the big thing. So, I, I think it's a bit unsatisfying, too, where you have two, you know, quote-unquote major antagonists in a series where you have the butterflies and then you have uh, the white dragon. Um, it's like, how do you tell the full story when you're telling two stories at the same time? Which I feel like if they would have focused on, hey, we're just going to tell the story of Chris and his dad, or we're just going to tell the story of Chris and butterflies, we get a lot more depth from that. One of my favorite like pieces of storytelling mechanics, and I, I, I'll, I'll make a reference here. It's a very... It's a reach, but uh, I'll get there eventually. I don't know <laughs> if you've seen The Last Exorcism. Um, it's actually one of my favorite Exorcist movies, and I don't think anybody talks about it enough. But there's a moment in that movie where our our protagonist is stuck between the possessed person and like the crazy people that live there that's also trying to kick them out. It's like oh. this weird, like there's these two forces that are like just to like ramp up the like horror of a situation you have like the actual you have like an actual possessed person and then you have an actual crazy person and it's like um there's nothing more scary when like something's two different things are coming at you at once and one thing i did appreciate about i guess if if i can't find the positive in the the augie storyline is when peacemaker is both running from the law and also uh the white dragon like i kind of got those same feelings where i'm like um, there's these two, like it, it's bad enough that the law is after you, but now your racist father is like chasing you down, like at the same time in the same episode. I thought it was like very, uh, at least for a little bit. Again, it kind of like it's quickly dispatched, but I was like, I was it was a very tense moment for me. And plus, you have like almost that snowball effect where everything's just building up and building up to to the boiling point, and then at that scene where like the white dragon's happening and the butterflies are happening, that really is the culmination of like every domino has fallen over at this point, like. This is like it's gonna get crazy from here on in the next 30, 40 minutes are just gonna be nonstop action. Yeah. Yep. So um we will move on from uh the white dragon here. And the next one I have on my list, I don't know how much we really could say, um, but I do have Eagly here. I wanna I wanna talk about Eagly because this was I, I I think my biggest it, it's not even like it's not even like one of the most outrageous moments. It's more like a throwaway line. Actually, it comes up twice, but one of my <laughs> favorite lines is when Peacemaker is advising people to reach their arm out the window with a, with a bag of chips and crinkle it a little bit. He'll, yeah. he'll come, come flying. <laughs> so I really liked that. Yeah, I loved Eagly. Like, there's nothing better than watching a bird swoop down and peck out people's eyeballs. Like, it is. And it's a bird that knows what he's doing for the most part. I mean, he, he just flies off in the finale, I feel like, apparently. But he's a bird that, for the first two, three episodes, like, Really? Like, that's your companion? And then episode four, you see him actually doing his thing, and it is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool to see him, like, uh, again, talking about, like, the the final confrontation with the White mm-hmm. Dragon. Uh, he, he has some moments there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like they did balance it well in that, like, he's, like, actually a useful companion, but he's also, like, an animal. Like, it, it, the like their their big plan going to, to kill this cow was they were going to have Eagly drop the Sonic Boom helmet uh, on the barn, and <laughs> Eagly just flies away. And it's like, oh, yeah, uh, what would you expect? It's literally a bird. I heard a possum over here. I'm actually, I got I got other business to attend to. Um, 
when it comes to Eagly as well, I think it really says a lot about Chris as a character, despite having like a racist dad and everything. His strongest relationship with anything in the world is with a bird. Like there's not a human he's closer with than Eagly. And I think that says a lot about his character. Somebody he can't even talk to, somebody who's just there to listen to him, give him a good old wingspan hug whenever he can. But yeah, it definitely helps you put yourself in Peacemaker's mindset of like, man, this guy is like kind of like sad in most parts. Like he's not, he's not Clark Kent. He is not living the good life. He's living in a trailer painted as the American flag with his roommate in Eagle. Right. Yeah. Uh, and actually, but I think it like, again, um, uh, I am like very, pr- like I have a very loving family. Luckily my father is not racist. Like I've, I've a pretty good, like I, I was very lucky uh, growing up, you know? Mm. Um, but with that being said, I had pets and there were points in my life where I'm like, it's just me and you buddy. Like yeah. uh, it's us against the world. Nobody else has our back. So <laughs> I kind of, I kind of felt that. Yeah, totally. I guess my only question for you, if, they were to dis- if they decided to give Eagly a voice, what voice actor do you think would have been a good for Eagly? Oh man, I'm really gonna have to think about this. So they have Bradley Cooper as Rocket, they got yeah. Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Schwarzenegger can't do Eagly, can he? <laughs> 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 I can't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I, Rob. I, I I wish I, I had prepared an answer for this. Yeah. Um I, I'm trying to think just from the James Gunn. Mm. Um oh man, I don't It'd probably, be Nathan, it. it'd probably be Nathan Fillion. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll t- if I think of anything else, I will come back to this. All right. Uh, good question, though. Um, what about let's let's move on to actually my favorite character in all of this. Uh, yeah. Maybe not the most important, but Vigilante. Yes, I, I'm so. I was worried you were going to say like not Vigilante for your favorite character. He's so cool. He's a maniac, but he is so cool. And he's like such a, he's like, he's just like such a nerd. And like, obviously again, like this is a character that's completely outlandish. Like one of my favorite moments is when in his introduction, he is talking about how he had to kill some kids for doing graffiti. Like, (laughs) uh, like he's completely over the top. But at the same time, he's like, he's kind of a big nerd. And uh, I love that about him. Yeah, he's amazing. And I think what really helps with Vigilante 2 is that for the first two episodes, we don't even see his face. It's a lot of body acting from him because he's in full suit. He's very, very uh, secure about his identity and people not knowing what his face looks like. That's why when the mask finally comes off, he does a bunch of face stuff so that people wouldn't recognize his face. Uh, that, if they that killed me. That, that was so funny. Like, like he must have like had planned that out. Like, well, if my mask ever gets ripped off, I, I this is it. This is what I have to do. And I'd be lying if I said I don't do that three times a week now in front of the mirror, just just to see how many different faces I can make in like a minute. <laughs> well, that's a, like because again, it is the first time the audience is seeing this character. I didn't know who was portraying this role, and I I still don't know who the man is now. But mm-hmm. um, even though I was like, what does this man look like? I, I have no idea. He's making faces. <laughs> yeah, and then the mask comes off, and it's like a guy with glasses and like no facial, like just a very like nerdy kind of guy, like you said. Yeah, yeah and there's like this weird um, like. It, it seems like everybody actually knows who Vigilante is. Or, like, they talk about, like, oh, wasn't he, like, our waiter or something? And, like, uh, uh, Chris as well has a connection to him. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, he's got this big secret identity, but, like, really, like, everyone is very aware of this man in some way. It's the same with, like, Peacemaker, though, like, right? Like, everyone knows it's Chris under there. Like, his mask isn't really hiding too, too much. It's almost like a, a DC thing where, like, we wear masks, but, like, it's just for protection. I don't know. It's not really for identity's sake, but... Yeah, Vigilante, and he's like the actor I knew the least about, because at least I knew Jen Inaldo from the Suicide Squad movie and stuff, but I didn't know Freddy Storma from anything, and now I want him to be in everything yeah. moving forward. Uh, this is very niche. There's a video game series out there called No More Heroes, and I would like him, if they ever adapt it to live action, Freddy Storma needs to be the protagonist. He needs to play Travis Touchdown. It is perfect casting sold sold yeah um he he does like he has like especially when you throw those glasses on him like he very much does have like the serial killer look like Mm -hmm. that's like the vibes i was getting the entire time um i think i i think like the highlight for me of this character and like obviously like he was cracking me up the entire time but like when i was like this is my favorite character is when he puts himself in prison to like kick these people's ass like that was like so cool and it was almost like there's almost no reason to have that in the show like it didn't really amount to anything like he just got out and that was it but um i guess i guess it kind of pointed augie to thinking that his son is really trying to kill him mm-hmm. um but other than that it was it was like for me i was like i was just glad he got to beat up these racists like that was awesome 
the whole opening scene, like before he goes into jail, he goes to like to the police officer lunch yard or something where they're all sitting down having their subway. And he grabs like a heavy garbage can and starts like shifting it towards a window and barely cracks it just to get arrested and put into, into jail. Yeah, I, I like I wasn't quite sure. Like at first I was like, is he trying to like sneak in and he's doing a horrible job like being yeah. ste- stealthy? Like I didn't know what he was doing there. But it was funny because like you do you see all the like the cops like sitting there on their lunch break, like watching this guy, like just waiting for him to do it. And then they just jump on him. Yeah, it was a very funny moment. I, I love seeing when he sits down at the at the table with the white supremacists and it started talking about like, do you guys want to talk about how much uh, black people have influenced <laughs> rock and roll? Like how we wouldn't be where we are without them. That's amazing. It's really amazing. And just really pushing buttons. Yeah. No, that, that, just so much fun, uh, Vigilante. Yeah, I love uh, him so much. Anything else on him? Any other standout moments for you? I guess like if we're talking about maybe some of the more critical stuff, like he's always trying to bring out the worst in Peacemaker, which is like he he is the devil on Peacemaker's shoulder where you have like Abadayo as like the angel being like, no, go this way. He's like, no, man, kill them all. Kill the kids. Kill the wife. Um, So like that's kind of a negative, but that's who that character is. And like I he doesn't need to change ever. They can do five seasons of Peacemaker. As long as this psychopath is in the show, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we get a vigilante spinoff show again. Oh, talking like possible other series. Yeah. Um, but are you down to move on to Abadio? Absolutely, I loved Abadio. Yeah, I, this was um, again just kind of like the the every person here, like uh, very much relatable. And that, like, especially at the beginning, she's like the new person on the team. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I just like felt that because, like, especially like my job, like I shift, like my job kind of changes over time so like i'm kind of thrown into new situations often mm-hmm. like it's i've always had the same job but it, i'm always doing something new so i always feel like a newcomer to something so like just like her interactions at the very beginning when she's basically like uh the trainee uh, yeah. I, I loved it <laughs> i love her always shooting somebody after they're dead like she asked <laughs> you to do the double tap every single time and i think hardcore and peacemaker like you don't need to do this like they're yeah. dead yeah yeah uh, um, I will say it's like Danielle Brooks as an actress. She is phenomenal. Her range from humor to drama is incredible. Orange is the New Black was a good show for the first couple of seasons, and it did dip in quality. Danielle Brooks was consistently the best part of that show for all seven seasons or whatever it was. Like she was the reason I kept coming back. So to see her in a show like this, I was like, good for you. Like good for you to you know branch out and start doing more stuff. Cause I feel like some of the cast of orange have not moved on. Um, so I was just so happy to see her in the show and she brings everything to the table. Again, this is a running theme tonight. I did. I watched the first couple seasons of orange is the new black and I, I jumped, I dived off that show mm, pretty quick, yeah. but um, I, I don't even really remember. Like I don't remember much of the show to begin with. Like that was mm. like one of the first Netflix shows, which is yeah. kind of weird to think about. Uh, like, I don't know how old that's like, it might be like close to 10 years old. It feels like, um, that's crazy but, to think about. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I, I'm pretty sure that was like one of the first Netflix original shows. So I was yeah. watching it when it came out, very, uh, almost no memory of the show. Now I don't remember that character. Um, so, uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, not that I'm going to go back and watch it, but I would love to see her in more properties for sure. So, yeah. And I think she was also in the uh, Netflix show Lady Dynamite as the main character's manager. So she's just been great in everything I've seen her in. Yeah, there's another one over my head. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I've never even heard of that, but I uh, know it's cool. I uh, appreciate you bringing the facts here. Um, but yeah, I know just just so much fun again, like kind of the every person. And then like we also we kind of see um, this this shift in her character and that like she kind of becomes a badass action hero at the end. Like she's doing yeah. some really cool stuff. So uh, I was all all about her journey. Um, I did want to like talk about I get like she's she's Amanda Waller's daughter, which mm-hmm. was kind of like an interesting twist. And uh, she's there. I, I guess like was her whole I guess I kind of got lost in this diary plot where she like plants this stuff. Like I didn't really understand the goal or like yeah. what was in the diary, I guess. But um, and maybe I just missed something there. Um, I, I don't know. Did you have any comments on like her plot with the diary? So I did think that got a little convoluted and I was a little surprised that she was doing that because at that point, I feel like her and Peacemaker had really had a great bond already. I think in episode one or two, when he tells her that he got hugged by an eagle and she's like, really? You got hugged by an eagle? And he's like, yeah, miracles happen all the time. Like, I feel like that moment is when that bridge is formed between those two. And I think the show is hurt by the fact that we never really see her relationship with her mom, like one on one. We don't get any flashbacks about how she was raised. For all we know, a 
Amanda Waller was a saint to her daughter, and she has zero idea about the atrocities she's done outside of the family. So I think a little bit more context about what she knew her mom had done and, you know, why why is she turning on Peacemaker so fast? Um, I also thought it was weird that her wife just disappeared for like five episodes. It made sense in the story, but like she's in the opening credits and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what's purpose that served for this character. And mm-hmm. I realized there again, like there was some drama of like, you could be in danger, but like, I felt like there was no real payoff to that relationship in any way. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's funny that they dress their dogs up. I mean, I, I see that everywhere else, but like, you know, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I will say about the diary moment um, that felt like her, her peacemaker moment, right? Because mm-hmm. a peacemaker um, in the suicide squad, like he, like, he might be getting along with the team and everything, but the fact of the matter is he came there for one purpose. And if anybody tries to derail that, um, he'll kill them as we see. And I felt like that was kind of like, that was a good parallel to this character as well, because she was kind of like the same way. Like I like you guys, but I was sent here for a reason and I'm going to carry it out no matter what. So I did, I did like that. Yeah. I really like that too. I didn't think about it that way, but I like that interpretation for sure. Yep. Uh, anything else on Abadayo? No, I just like I if she's a part of season two, I definitely would like to see what she's doing next. Um, if her and the wife are doing okay, and maybe even more backstory about what she was like, was she just laid off from her last job and then her mom gave her this one? Like she wasn't in like government yeah. stuff at all. She just like got transferred from like a library to this. So. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that was my impression at least. So. Yeah, so um, she was she was great though. Yeah. So I do. I'm I'm, I'm on my last character here. All um, right. Who could it be? It's um, yeah, it's gonna be Peacemaker. <laughs> yeah, it's Peacemaker. Um, and we, I mean, uh, maybe we just kind of like our, our chance to wrap things up a little bit because we've talked about Peacemaker throughout all these characters, mm-hmm. but um, again, uh, and a lot of the beginning as well. Again, like this was a character I didn't really care too much about, but uh, really fell in love with them, especially mm-hmm. um, we've, we've talked about like whether things are like completely crucial for the story. I really like the story about his brother and um, like, again, like that tragic backstory. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know any, any final thoughts here on Peacemaker. So the scene that comes to mind, every time we say his name, I'm pretty much always going back to when they're sitting outside, they, they get a report that there's a family and that the family is possibly invaded by butterflies. And we're, we're, they're watching the family from afar. I think they have sniper rifles and they get the call from Mern being like, kill the kids without any real proof. And, this is the guy who infamously in the Suicide Squad was like, I want peace. I don't care how many men, women, or children I have to kill to get it. But he has a moment where he turns to, I think, hardcore, and he's like, I don't want to kill kids. I don't want to kill any more at all. And he's blaming it on the fact that there's, like, a dove not painted on his gun. It's throwing him off. But this is a guy who, like, seven months ago in the theaters, I saw brutally murdering everyone. And then for him to have this, I don't want it anymore. Because you find out it's because his dad put this pressure on him because he's been in jail and the Suicide Squad. He had to do this job to get uh, prison time off his uh, sentence. Like, he was the anti-hero heel in the movie. But to actually get all this, like, emotion and, like, I don't want to be Peacemaker almost. Like, he's like, this is just what I was born into and not what I want to be doing. Yeah, and again, like, um, it's kind of, it's hard to, like... And again, we, we talked about it with Vigilante. Like, it's hard to truly, like, relate to a character that's just killing everybody. Mm-hmm. So it did feel essential that we had to, like, give him, like, some limits in that way. Yeah. Um, and I, I did appreciate it. I think they did a really good job. And I think it is, like, the heart of this entire series and what I loved about it so much. And, and the turn that, like, he's not really that guy. Like, that's not, I'm not that guy. You know, yeah. like, he, uh, I, I did, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I thought it was a very powerful part of the series. So, um, yeah, he's, think, a, he's a good guy. He's a good he's guy. He's a good guy. And he's a he's a well-rounded character. And I really like walking away from the series. Like, this is a guy who's, like, blowing fart jokes for, like, five minutes straight in the finale, but also has a somber scene of him playing a piano in his sweaty tighties. Like, this guy has range. And I just, I cannot wait to see what he does next with this character. Yeah, he's also, like, like there's, he's a bully. Like, like we've talked about with economists. Like, he can, yeah. he's kind of an asshole. Like, <laughs> Again, there's like a lot of negative qualities attached to him, but mm-hmm. the fact that they're again willing to make like this guy who's killed hundreds of people, who's mm-hmm. uh, an asshole to his friends, like uh, a lot of character defects uh, to this man, but we are still able to be like, 
Um, you mean well. You mean well. Yeah. I think I think the, the two variables of knowing his dad is a white supremacist and that he killed his brother at a very young age is all you need to know about why this character is the way they are. Uh, most bullies from high school or school, they probably had a troubled home. And I think Peacemaker is no different. His bullying just involves, you know, murdering X amount of people in the Suicide Squad movie. And again, kind of touched on it before, but this kind of feels like... Um uh peacemaker's origin story like i realize he's kind of like an established character we mm-hmm. catch him like uh in prison after he's already done things but like it, it still feels like his origins because he's finally found himself and like nobody truly respected him as a hero and yeah. uh like i mentioned this is like uh, he we're, we're gonna be walking into season two and people will see peacemaker as like somebody who's there to help and i mm-hmm. think that kind of again opens the doors to possibly working with other people, which is really fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like there's just so much more to explore with this character now. Like, we're finally there. We're finally at the jumping off point, And there's going to be so much good stuff to come. So, uh, In season two, are you hoping that it's going to be the same team? Uh, Economos, Hardcore, Peacemaker? Or are you hoping for kind of a shakeup in the in the team? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Maybe like, a, maybe like a tribe swap. Maybe we lose a couple <laughs> of them, but we also yeah. get some new faces as well. Um, yeah. But, I, but again, like I... There's nobody I really like. I get like I feel like I know Judo Master wasn't part of the team, but like we have room mm-hmm. to like bring in new characters if we get rid of ones that don't really matter as much. Um, I mean, the the guy can't die. I mean, he'd be an asset on any team. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but we did lose Mern, so maybe there is yeah. a spot there for a new character to come in. Um, yeah, I would like I, w- I would like all these characters to stay around, but I also again like I'm always down. Give me more characters, James Gunn. Yeah, and also we didn't touch on uh, not Mern's death scene, but the butterfly inside Mern's death scene when it's like laying on the floor, and I think Hardcore kind of picks it up, and it's just like it's on its back with like crushed wings, and it's just kind of like reaching out, and there's like a little like uh, antenna palm touch, and I was like, am I crying over the death of a butterfly right now? <laughs> like, is this actually happening? And yeah. the way James Gunn shoots and adds music, like he will make you cry at the silliest thing. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, so so good this series. Um, I want to talk about this before we wrap up. I mean, maybe mm. more just like the logistics behind it. I know we talked about yeah. it a little bit, but uh, we got to talk about this uh, these cameos at the end. Just yes. so wild that they they made that happen. Um, I, I know a lot of people <laughs> are, like kind of making fun of like the fact, oh Henry Cavill wasn't there. They just had like the silhouette, but um, I thought this was like the perfect type of cameo. Like, um, it wasn't like, uh, it didn't. Like, I feel like, especially with The Mandalorian, you start bringing, like, a bunch of characters in. Mm-hmm. Um, it might kind of diminish the value that they had before. Um, but I felt like this was just, like, the perfect, like, w- like we wanted to see something big. We got something big. It was only for a brief second, but it was also very funny. Like, yep. it, it just worked in so many different levels for me. So uh, what do you think about the, the cameos here? I thought it was awesome. I agree with you. Like, stuff like Mandalorian. When you have, like, Boba Fett show up in a Mando episode, the spotlight shifts from Mando to Boba Fett. And also, vice versa. When you have a Boba Fett show and Mando shows up, he steals the spotlight. I think a really good cameo exists without stealing any of the stage, you know? And this was a nice, like, what? Is it, like, a 20-second bit or something? Like, it's it's done in no time. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think I, it, was, it was well done. I, I will say, I was actually, this is the one thing I was spoiled on uh, before oh. watching the show. Um, I, I started watching it right around the season finale. So, like, mm. the week I was binging it, people were talking about the season finale. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I saw that frame of, like, those characters at the end. I was like, oh, no. So, But, but with that being said... Um, I was a little worried because we were getting into the finale here and mm-hmm. they were like, oh, we need to call the Justice League. I'm like, uh, is this the Justice League episode? Like, is this where we're going? Um, and they <laughs> didn't do that, which I was OK with. I was very happy with. Knowing the cameo while you were watching the show, did that make some of the Aquaman jokes land better, like him and Fish? Or like, was that still going over your head a little bit? No, I, I, I just uh, I guess I didn't really connect to the fact that that might be a reoccurring joke when they actually show up mm. I, I just what i did like was like um they were okay poking fun at like the more serious characters in that universe um yep. like i i feel like maybe you could see like i don't know like the dc story group that like oversees all of the canon or whatever like may i could see where they might want to draw a line in between the mm-hmm. two like hey this is like a different tone and maybe we don't want to like cross that barrier too much but like they were totally like just poking fun at these characters which was awesome and I did see a portion of the internet not react well to this because there are some diehard Zack Snyder fans out there who really hate James Gunn taking those versions of those characters and making them funny because you're not allowed to be funny. 
Um, I disagree with that sentiment so, so much. People were like, Zack Snyder built these guys up from the ground and you tear them down. It's like, no, man, they had two lines. Like, give them some depth, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and even like uh, I feel like of all of the characters that or the actors that ha- could be on set, like those were the two that probably fit the best in this universe. Um, and also, and, like or, they're they're the ones yeah. with upcoming movies as well, right? Like, there's no upcoming yeah. Henry Cavill Superman, no upcoming Gal Gadot Wonder Woman, but there's a Flash and an Aquaman coming up. So good, good promotion I, I, on that part too. I have no idea what's going on with Batman. Like, uh, uh like, just to uh, spoil everybody here on next week's podcast, we will be covering the new Batman movie. I don't, I don't know how DC works. Like, I'm so like uh, when I talk about this stuff, like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I don't even know who Batman is anymore. <laughs> like, who is the actual like it, it, the Joker? Is that it? like uh? Uh, like we talk about like the stupid marvel casuals that like don't understand like how things are connected that's me with dc i like don't get it i like uh i don't know i don't think they know what they're doing either like they'll be like three years ago be like okay we're gonna make a gritty joker origin story all right we're gonna do a 10 episode tv series about the no-name peacemaker like they're so all over the place uh with their tone and their um continued stories like it is just a grab bag every time you watch one of these products like, and I'm trying to, like, wonder, like, what to expect from this new Batman movie. Like, is is uh, Joaquin Phoenix going to be there? Is gonna, like, like, you know, like, yeah. I, I guess that'll be the fun of watching that movie. But, yeah, just to let you guys know, we will be talking about that next week. That's awesome. Um, Kyle, do um, you want to move on to some recommendations here? Yes. Well, one, I'll ask you a question before we yes. do recommendations. So if they did a spinoff TV show for any other character from the Suicide Squad, be it uh, Ratcatcher, King Shark, we'll say Polka Dot Man we'll say like a prequel series any one character from the movie that you like to see this kind of show for somebody somebody online had pitched and i can't i can't imagine anything else at this point but a king shark slash weasel uh buddy cop uh oh my God. uh it seems like a little too out there like to actually because it feels like again i feel like uh james gunn very much had to ground himself for like mm-hmm. especially the season one like i know um same thing with like some of the disney plus shows like they they're not willing to go full force into a show unless they know people love it so i imagine this had a smaller budget mm-hmm. um and maybe now we have room to like do something more crazy and have like an actual cgi character it's gonna be really shocking when you watch batman next weekend and remember how weasel survived at the end of the suicide squad <laughs> wait till you see him walking through gotham it's gonna be amazing i know we already know who is playing the riddler but maybe <laughs> we could make this work i don't know we, we'll see yeah. oh my god all right um, that's cool but yeah go ahead hit hmm. us with a recommendation here so my recommendation listen uh it's a recommendation that i believe in jackass forever is probably playing in a theater near you and I saw it opening night in a in a full theater, and I didn't stop laughing for 90 minutes straight. And listen, this is a bunch of guys hitting themselves in the balls or whatever, but there's also an element of right place at the right time with this movie, I feel like. It's almost like Animal Crossing New Horizons, where people associate that with the beginning of the pandemic. The world's crazy right now, and sometimes a bit of laughter is great. Laughing for 90 minutes straight is amazing. Just being in that theater, lights off, just forgetting about everything else happening in the world. So I implore you, if you have the chance to see Jackass Forever in a theater with people, I recommend it. Like, it's just great laughing with strangers at silly shit. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I, I will. I, we talked about this on Twitter briefly, but I was <laughs> on the I'm not on board with this side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I am now on the fence. Um, yeah. I, and I guess even like before, like I was like, ah, yeah, we'll catch it when it comes on uh, HBO Max or whatever. But uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you've sold me on the theater experience. You're right. I need I need to do this, and everybody listening needs to as well. And it might help that I'd say like this is probably as these guys get older, they get less gross, they get less stuff. So there's there's less vomit in this. There's less all that stuff. It's more focused on the pranks and the kind of like uh, creative stunts that they do because they've done stunts for over 30, 20 years now. So you have to get creative. And it's really cool watching these guys create like Rube Goldberg-esque machines that end up slapping them in the face. Yeah, love that. Um, I will recommend a movie here as well. And it's interesting because I've always been like a movie guy. Like, oh, I'm I'm your local film buff, you know. But I think in my older years, like I've cared less about seeing like all the best picture nominees. Like I don't it's not something I really stress over. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to give one recommendation to one of the nominees, which is Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley is so good, guys. Listen, it's it's very um, like 
sometimes I like to try to like uh, give my recommendations to like what what might appeal to people. It's a little different than something we might typically talk about on this show. It's very dark. Um, there's some really crazy stuff, and it's almost like two separate movies. I, I don't I don't want to spoil it too much, but um, the first half very much is like a. Um, I never watched American Horror Story Freak Show, but mm. um, it's that type of vibe. It's like this uh, old school carnival type uh, environment. It's so much fun. Like the the characters in this are like very well built out and it just goes to some wild places. And if you're in the mood to like, and, and again, like I'm not going to watch all the best picture nominees. I just watch what I think I would enjoy now. And this was like, this had to be something I would like. So I watched it and I'm all about it. Nightmare Alley is the best and I hope it wins. Um, let me say that completely biased and not Ooh. having seen anything else. <laughs> nice. There's still a couple of best picture nominees I want to watch before I, I make a pick, but Neymar Alley looks amazing. And I, I can't believe that it's Del Toro, who his last movie won best picture. This is his follow-up and there's been almost no hype or conversation around it. I don't know if it's because it came out the same time as No Way Home. Um, that may have unfortunately swept its spotlight from it. But if you're a fan of Pan's Labyrinth, um, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, like the cast in this thing is amazing. So yeah, I, I second that. Yeah. And I would say it's the best thing he's done since Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, oh. I was like Shape of Water was good, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily think it should win Best Picture. Uh, this is a, a step above that. So if that could win, this should definitely win. Um, I'm, all, I'm all about it. So Awesome. I can't wait to watch uh, it. Yeah. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I want to give you the chance here to kind of tell people what you're up to. I know. Yeah. I, I don't know since you've been on, like, I feel like, uh, I don't know if you've plugged the podcast yet, but I definitely want to hear about that. Um, and anywhere else people can find you. Yeah. So I'm staying very, very busy these days. Um, I am currently the editor and podcast host at keengamer.com. So if you like to hear about video game news and information, um, recently we've been covering Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and it's a really fun show. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify at Keen Gamer, uh, K-E-E-N-G-A-M-E-R. Uh, so that's the podcast. On the website, we have lots of great articles. We do movie and TV reviews. So we have reviews for Boba Fett. We got reviews for Elden Ring, like I was saying. And then I also just launched a YouTube channel called The 60 Minute Mark with the intention of every time a new game comes out, I want to show you exactly the first 60 minutes of that game. I don't care if that hour ends in halfway through a cutscene or if I'm telling you a story from my childhood, I am cutting the video at an hour. I think most people decide they're going to play a game in that first 60 minutes. Let me play it for you, watch the video, and then spend your money if you think that intrigues you. What an awesome concept. I love that. I, I didn't hear about this yet. Um, so I'm I'm definitely uh and that's the thing. Listen, um I I'd like to think I'm a video game fan, but like I it's kind of like the movie thing, the older mm -hmm. I get, it's like less games interest me. Um, which means I've turned to a lot of video game YouTube to like tell me what to play. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out. And uh listen, I'm I'll put all the links to that stuff in the show notes so you guys you. will be able to check all that out. I'll be uploading um, my uh, my Elden Ring video tonight after the podcast. So that should be up right now, pretty much. Awesome. Um, so with that being said, I think that I think that is all we got for you guys. Um, but I would like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. Also, I'd like to remind you guys to subscribe because that will let you get the show every single week directly to your device. Um, and we also have a little Discord community. So if that's something you're interested in, you can message us on our Instagram or Twitter at Stark Wars Pod. And uh, actually, yeah, go ahead and follow those because that's the same place that we are selling our merch now. Uh, so check the t-shirts out. We have like some cool baseball tees. Um, also, you can find the Twitch channel there. We're live here recording the podcast if you ever want to come watch it live. Um, but that's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>